Clinton Devon Nelson was a 21-year-old from Princeton, Louisiana. He had recently moved there to get to know his dad and work on an oil rig. On September 1st, 2006, he attended a party thrown by a man he and his father knew. Accounts differ, but that night partygoers saw Clinton allegedly run off. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound. Many of you out there can appreciate the saying, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. For example, no matter how much you as a parent explain to your son or daughter how to cut the grass, in the end, when you see the results, you realize you should have just mowed the lawn. And there are endless anecdotes of this from both our personal and public lives. Nobody seems to do anything as well as how we would do it. Well, in missing persons cases, especially the ones you've heard on Unfound, you've listened to guest after guest complain about the police, all of them having very rational and reasonable criticisms. There is no doubt that some of the cases we've covered would be solved by now had the police taken the disappearance seriously at the time it happened. Today, you're going to hear from a mother who traveled multiple times from her home in South Dakota down to Louisiana to investigate her son's disappearance. She put her own team together. She talked to possible suspects. And eventually, she got a revolutionary new law passed in South Dakota regarding missing persons and their DNA. She didn't wait around for the police. She did it on her own. And now, a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Goodsight, charlieproject.org. Clinton was last seen at approximately 8.30 p.m. on September 1, 2006, leaving a party in the vicinity of Ward Lane and Highway 80 in Princeton, Louisiana. There were over 40 people at the party, and some of them said he went east, others say west, and another group claims he got into a car with some people. So accounts differ. At 10.30 p.m., two hours later, his father, who had been at the party earlier, called his son, and Clinton answered. Clinton claimed he saw police lights in the area and the cops were chasing him. Then the phone went silent. Clinton was never heard from again. There's not been any activity on his phone since. Not long before Clinton disappeared, he had been injured on the job, getting hit by a flying pipe wrench that broke his collarbone and a couple ribs. And although he'd been clean and sober for a couple years, it is believed he relapsed once he got to Louisiana and started hanging around his dad who had vices of his own. There are rumors that Clinton was murdered due to him flashing a lot of cash at the party. However, there's also the rumor that Clinton overdosed and people covered it up. His case remains unsolved. The interview for this episode is with Clinton's mother, Carolyn Johnson. Unfound News Both editions of Volume 1 are now out on Amazon, in ebook and print form. The ebook is $2.99 and the paperback is $10.99. If you aren't an Amazon fan, they will be available in other venues in the upcoming weeks. I'm also selling the print edition privately, with each book having a special note from me inside. Please contact me if you're interested. 
and thanks to everyone who has reviewed the ebook so far. If you haven't, please do so soon. I'm also just about finished with the unfound first 52 cases playing cards. Yep, the episode you're listening to right now is number 52. So each card will have the picture of the victim along with their name, location, date of disappearance, and police contact number. Just one more way to get the word out about these missing people. I will be giving away some of these packs, and they will also be available for purchase. Also, the first ebook picture contest started November 11th. If you don't know what that is, please go to the Unfound page or the Unfound discussion group to find out the details and how to win. I'll also be having contests for print edition buyers and those people who don't even buy the books. I want to try to include everyone. Finally, Patreon and PayPal. There are new tiers available for all of you who are thinking about contributing. Please check them out. And these are the people who increased their donations this week or are first-time supporters. Jennifer, Lori, Jimmy, Andrea, Nicholas, and Meg. Deep thanks to all of you. Where you can find Unfound. This section has gotten a little laborious, so from now on it's going to get trimmed down. So, Unfound is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Podbean. In fact, I had a long discussion with listeners about that app this week. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. And please check out the Secret Stephen Kocher episode that plays there. And please mention Unfound on all true crime Facebook pages and other websites and forums. Thank you. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm so fortunate to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Clinton Nelson, Carolyn Johnson. Carolyn, welcome to Unfound. Thank you for having me. Tell the listeners a little bit about your son, Clinton. Um, Clinton was uh, 20 years old when he moved to Louisiana. He moved there to get to know his biological father and to get a job working on an oil rig. Um, he turned 21 just a few weeks before his disappearance. Um, he was amazing. He was a kid that always loved to make people laugh. Um, he loved children. He, um, just, he was just 
a, a happy-go-lucky person. He would do anything for anyone. He'd get the shirt off of his back to help somebody else. And what was he like as a kid? What were his interests and his hobbies, maybe musical tastes? Was he into sports, anything like that as a kid? Um, he was very athletic. Um, he loved to play soccer. Um, played soccer all the way from prior to kindergarten, all the way up, I think, until his freshman year. Um, and he was very good at it. And he was loved to skateboard, loved to rollerblade, ride bikes, loved to go hiking and camping, and loved to go fishing and um, hunting and uh, just uh, uh, anything outdoors he loved to do. He sounds like he had a lot of energy. He did, definitely. And that was a good place to have that in growing up in South Dakota, right? Yes, very much so. Okay. And so what's one of your maybe memories when you think of his name as a kid, you being his mother, something that instantly pops into your head about him, like maybe a vacation or, you know, a special day or something like that. Anything in particular? Um, there's a, there's a lot of things, but I guess the, the thing that I remember the most about Clinton that is that whenever I was disciplining him or, you know, correcting him or yelling at him or whatever the case may be. He always had this uncanny knack for making me laugh. Um, I could never be serious when I was trying to correct him because he would make a face or he would um, just do some type of antic that would just make me crack up laughing. And, um, it was just, it probably sounds silly because a parent shouldn't be laughing when they're trying to discipline their kid, but somehow he always managed to, to make me laugh. (laughs) And did he get the point though, that you were trying to make after all of that? (laughs) He did. Um, you know, Clinton, Clinton was one of those people that he was, open to discipline. He didn't always act like he was hearing you. Um, and he didn't always get the lesson the first time. Um, sometimes he had to learn lessons the hard way, but he did listen. Um, but he just, he just was this amazingly spontaneous, funny kid. And you had a good relationship with him. I did. Yeah. And what did he do in high school? Uh, what classes did he take? How did he do in school? Um, did he like school? Um, how was he academically? <laughs> he didn't particularly like school. Um, he, I, I, I think in a lot of ways he just was bored with school. Um, I, the only year that I didn't really have issues with him was his fifth grade year. And that was, he had a teacher that was actually really hard on him, um, but she was his favorite teacher and she challenged him. Um, and I, I think that that was the thing that was always hard for Clinton was that for him to just sit there and read out of a book was just not, that just wasn't who he was. He, it had to engage him mentally um, outside of just reading it. Um, there had to be something else to it. And um, she somehow figured out a way to connect with him and he responded to it. 
um, but school was not his favorite thing. Some of those traits you're describing uh, could lead me to believe that he probably had a decently high IQ. That That's what a lot of parents say about their kids who have high IQs, that they, they want to be challenged and they can be bored if they're not, be, if they're not being challenged. Right. He was definitely a very intelligent person. Um, he <laughs> used, he actually had like the history. Um, I don't even know what they're called, the documentaries or whatever that they would do. He would sit there and watch those for hours. So he could just randomly tell you facts about anything in the Black Hills or, you know, some other historical event or um, just things that, I don't know, maybe most people didn't even think about, Clinton knew. Um, so definitely was a very intelligent person. He sounds like a guy I would like to have on my trivia team. <laughs> yes. Okay. He was great with that kind of stuff, and he loved the old music and knew everything about the artists and, you know, a lot of the producers, and he was just one of those kinds of guys. Okay. Um, he did have some issues, though. Uh, what can you tell the listeners about that? Um, when Clinton was in high school, he had gotten in with some kids, um, and honestly, he was struggling personally, um, not knowing his father and, or not knowing him well, not having a lot of interaction or contact with him, um, really seeking that sense of identity. And um, when he got in with these kids, he ended up uh, using drugs and um, we had some problems throughout high school. Uh, we did eventually, we got him into treatment and um, he eventually got clean and and had been clean for well over two years when he moved to Louisiana. And did he did he put up much of a fight about going to rehab at that point? Like maybe at like eighteen, nineteen years old, much of a fight. He did not. Um, you know, he knew that he was not on a good path, and um, I when he went when he approached me about moving to Louisiana, everyone you know, the, the experts would say the best thing for a person that, that is an addict is to get them out of the environment that they're in, get them away from the people that they've been hanging around with, let them get a fresh new start. Um, and hopefully they're able to get on the right track and stay on the right track without those, those old influences. So when he approached me about moving to Louisiana, I was hesitant because it was so far away and I I didn't know, you know, if things would work out as far as being around his father and that kind of thing. But I knew that it was something that he needed to do for himself. Um, what kind of so, relationship did he and his father have? Um, obviously, his father did not live in South Dakota. He's, he was in Louisiana, but... Was uh, meeting his father something Clinton always wanted to do, or did it just pop up around the time that he was getting out of rehab? Or how did well, that all work out? Clinton had met his father several times over the years, um, but he was not raised with his biological father. His biological father gave up all rights, did not ever help with child support or any of his care or any of that kind of thing. But Clinton always had a 
a strong desire to know his father. And it was something that was very important to him. He was always seeking that fatherly connection. Um, and would this so have been the idea. first? Would this have been the first time when he went to Louisiana? Is this the first time he ever went to Louisiana to see his father? First time? It's not the first time that he had ever gone to Louisiana to see him. It was the first time that he had gone there by himself. Okay. And it was the first time that he had spent any significant amount of time with him. Okay. So he tells you that he wants to go down and see his father in Louisiana, maybe get a job down there. How do you feel about that? And and tell us about what happens when he gets to Louisiana. Um, initially, I will be honest, I was very nervous about it. Um, his biological father had a history of drug use. And um, I started talking to, to Jeff on a regular basis, trying to figure out if he had grown up, if he was going to be responsible enough to help keep Clinton on the straight and narrow and, you know, at least, you know, in the going in the right direction. Um, and honestly, I, I felt like that was the case. I felt like his father was going to help um, get him or keep him away from drugs and, and that type of thing. Um, Clinton moved down there. I stayed in contact with Clinton, but I also stayed in contact with Jeff on, and talked to him, not daily, but pretty close to daily, just trying to find out how things were going, any signs of trouble. Um, and it was always the same. He's doing well, not using, no signs of using. And I, I was just getting to that point where I was starting to feel comfortable that everything was going to be okay. And what month and year did Clinton go down to Louisiana? When was that? Clinton moved down there in, um, I believe it was April of 2006. And he disappeared September 1st of 2006. So really just around six months, something like that. He was there six yep. months and he just somewhere around there. Okay. Yes. And when Clinton gets down there, what does he do for work? Uh, he and I guess he and his father are living together. I'm, I'm taking for granted. If, if it's that's different than that, please tell the listeners. But what's he doing for work and money and, and all that? Um, he went down there. He was living with his dad and um, the dad's wife and um, he was supposed to be getting a job on an oil rig um, because his uncle was a foreman on the oil rig and that did not occur right away so he was I believe he was working at Subway and then he also was helping out at a welding shop in Princeton um, just kind of doing odd and end jobs he actually got on at the oil rig just about two and a half, three months before his disappearance. Okay, so he went from working subway and at this welding shop to working on an oil rig. And from what I understand, oil rigs, it's a pretty good job, pretty good pay, um, from what I understand. Is that yes. is that how you remember it for Clinton? Yes, he was very, very proud of that job. Um he called me shortly after, I, I guess it was a couple weeks after he started working, and I think 
he said that there were six people that had started around the same time that he did and that there were only he was the only one left out of all of them. And he was really proud of the fact that he had survived that and that he was tough enough to handle it and that, um, you know, that this seemed like it was going to be a really good career path for him. And he was proud of the money that he was making and um, he liked the physical work um everyone that I talked to after his disappearance told me what an amazing job he was doing and how they were so impressed by him and he would actually come in and work even when it wasn't his shift to help other people and um he just it was I I guess I just felt like he was finally finding himself was there any worry uh, at that time, being that he was earning more money, that he might go back, now that he had some money in his pocket, that he might go back to using? Now that he, that ever crossed your mind? While you were- um, it did. Um, I, I mean, I, I think anytime someone's an addict, there's always a concern that they will start using again. But um, I was talking to Clinton on a regular basis, and I was talking to his father on a regular basis, and Um, the story was the same from both of them that, that, you know, things were going well, there was no signs of him going down that path again. And that, that he was doing the right things. And how was the home life here? Uh, he, Clinton comes down living with his dad, but his dad is married. Um, how was that dynamic at that time? Did you hear anything from Clinton? Did everybody get along? Um, there were some problems there. Um, the, the stepmom was not, um, very fond of having Clinton around. And, um, I know that there were some problems there and eventually Clinton did move out and moved next door to stay with his stepsister. And that seemed to be going okay. Um, before his disappearance, Clinton and Jeff both had told me that they were actually looking at apartments and houses together. Um, Jeff had told me that his, his wife did not like Clinton and did not like having him around and that he had already lost his son one time and that he was not going to lose him again. And so he had plans on filing for divorce and Clinton and, and Jeff were going to get a place together. So at the time of Clinton's disappearance, there was some something in the works that Jeff's marriage may be falling apart. He wants to be with his son. And at some point down the road, maybe the end of 2006, 2007, they were going to be living together again. Right. Okay. And uh, was Clinton close with his stepsister? They go along pretty well. Yes. Um, Clinton was was close to Rachel's. He he loved her like a sister, and um, he was protective of her. Um, there were some issues between her and a boyfriend and um, kind of domestic issues and stuff, and Clinton, I know, felt very protective of Rachel and and wanted to make sure that she was safe. All right, good, like any good brother would do. Right. But then he had something happen at the oil rig. Uh, what happened there? He got injured, and what happened? Yeah, um, all I know about it was that he was working on the oil rig and something happened with a pipe wrench um, and it somehow 
flew across an area and hit Clinton in the shoulder and ribs. Um, it actually, he had stitches in his collarbone. He had three fractured ribs. He had his arm in a sling. Um, he was pretty banged up from it. Kind of a freak accident, something that wasn't his fault, just the innocent bystander in it, I, I'm guessing, or? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And oil rigs, I'm sure, can be dangerous places. How long before his disappearance did that happen? Um, I think it was just a couple of weeks prior. Um, the week prior to his disappearance, he had actually called me from the rig. He wasn't allowed to do full duty because of his injuries, but he was working in the office, helping them out with things. And um, I actually have owned a, a office technology company the majority of Clinton's life. And he was super proud of himself because he had fixed their printer and he thought that was pretty cool that he was doing something similar to what his mom does. Yeah, that is neat. And so he's in a, I'm guessing if he broke his collarbone, is his arm in a sling? Yes. And it was his arm in a sling at the time he disappeared then, like a couple weeks yes. later? Okay. And, you know, the tough part about breaking ribs is there's no way to put your ribs in a cast. You just kind of have to live with it. You just can't do much. Um, right. So he couldn't do much. He's working in the office. And I'm sure you talked to him at this time. Were his spirits pretty high? Was he ready to get healed all back up and get back to working again? Spirits didn't take this as a setback or anything. Was he still very positive? Yep. He was, he was very positive about it. He actually was talking about um, they were talking about moving him down or to Arkansas um, to work on a different oil rig. He called it the Cadillac of oil rigs, and they thought that he was going to um, be able to move up in what he was doing and learn more skills, which he was very excited about. And um, he was planning on coming home to to buy my car from me and take my car back down to Louisiana so that he had reliable transportation. And he just seemed like, you know, things were, were going well and he was, he was loving life. And when was he due uh, to fly back to South Dakota? What do you remember what the date was? Um, the weekend that he disappeared, he was supposed to have come home. Um, but and I had already bought his plane ticket, but I ended up having to postpone the trip because um, my then father-in-law ended up in emergency surgery and we weren't sure if he was going to make it. And I didn't think that I should leave my then husband um, during that time. So Clinton and I had talked about it and we had agreed to just postpone the trip to a later date so we could figure out what was going on with grandpa. And how and, many, and how many days was the, the change in uh, itinerary made before September 1st, maybe a day before, a couple of days before? Or? Yeah, maybe like the day before. Okay. So uh, maybe he was supposed to fly back September 2nd, September 3rd. And, and it could be in retrospect that maybe if he was flying back, he might not have gone to this party that he ended up going to. Just don't know. Right. It's possible. Right. So what do we know about September 1st? What do you know about it? And what can you pass along to the listeners about the day that uh, 
Clinton disappeared, and we need to remind the listeners, it's going to sound weird because this was an all-day party, I guess, on a Friday, which is something I'm still trying to figure out. Please explain that day to the listeners. Um, My understanding is that Clinton had gone over to his friend Larry's house, um, that there was some type of a party or something going on, and um, he, I guess, was just hanging out and... um, it sounds like there were probably some drugs at the party and um, I I guess I'm not really sure what happened from there. All I know is that I was told that around 8.30 that night, Clinton had just taken off and um, went running into the woods. One time I was told he went running and he ran east and the other time I was told he went west. But so there's been some discrepancies on what and where, when he left. And maybe we should establish this. Who is Larry? How does uh, how does Clinton know him? Uh, did Jeff know him? And how many people were at this party? Uh, we can pass that all along to the listeners. Um, Clinton knew Larry from the welding shop. And um, he stayed at Larry's house. Um, I guess that day and, um, there was a party that, that took place. I guess there were, I don't know, roughly 40 people in and out of the party in that, I don't know, 24 hour period or whatever it was. Um, I think his dad did know Larry, at least in passing. Um, I don't know how well they knew each other. Larry was quite a bit older than Clinton. Uh, I believe at the time of Clinton's disappearance, Clinton was 21, and I think Larry was like 34 or 35 at that point. So much closer to Jeff's age than Clinton's age. Right. Mm -hmm. And how far was this? Is this like just down the street, or how did Clinton get to the, the party? Didn't his dad drop him off, and did Jeff stick around for a little while? Before he left the party, how did that all Uh, happen? What I was told was that um, Jeff had um, wanted to try using meth, and so he had Clinton buy it. Um, And I don't think Jeff was at the party at that point, but he dropped Clinton off there, and then he went to work. And he did stop back to see Clinton there at some point, and saw Clinton in a paranoid state and left him there. Um, Okay. So Jeff and Clinton do drugs before the party. Jeff drops Clinton off at the party. Jeff goes to work. What kind of job did Jeff have at the time? He was a truck driver. And um, was working not far from where the party was. So when you say a truck driver, not like a cross-country truck driver, like a local truck driver. He would have been still in the area driving around. Okay. And so he leaves Clinton at the party. He, He leaves. Clinton's there around 8.30. Something goes on, whether Clinton chooses to leave on his own. Maybe it's the effect of the drugs. We're just not sure. Some people say he went this way. Some people say he went that way. But 
Jeff um, is working, and he came back to the party, but he called Clinton later. What can you tell the listeners about that? What did Jeff tell you about that phone call? Yeah, Um, Jeff had called Clinton to, I don't to check on him, and Clinton had supposedly told him that the police were after him, and that, and then the phone went dead. Um, And law enforcement was not able to verify for sure if Jeff had actually spoken to him. They were just basing it on what Jeff had told them. Um, That call was no longer than any of the other calls where it connected to voicemail and then disconnected. So we're just basing that off of what Jeff said. Okay. So even at whether Jeff, that conversation actually took place or not, there are records that Jeff continued to try to call Clinton and Clinton never picked up after that phone call, after that 1030 phone call. Yes, that is correct. Okay. So Clinton obviously does not come home that night. What does Jeff do? What do, does anybody else do? What happens going in to the next day? Um, I guess Jeff had continued trying to get a hold of Clinton, could not, reach him um at some point he went over to larry's house larry had given him some clothes that clinton had left there um jeff did not call me until the following sun or the next day which was sunday and um he called me and he said have you heard any or have you heard from clinton And I said, no, what's wrong? And he said, Clinton's missing. And I said, what do you mean Clinton's missing? And he said, nobody's seen him since Friday. And I said, did you call the police? And he said, no. And I said, you need to call the police. And so he proceeded to call the police and the police told him that they would not take a police report Um, that they wanted to wait and see if Clinton showed up for work after the Labor Day holiday. Um, Which was going to be that Monday. I guess that would be September 4th. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Tuesday came around. um, Clinton did not show up for work. Um, I actually tried to call and file a report, but they wouldn't take the report from me because I was out of state. And so... Jeff went down and filed the report, and I actually did not hear anything um, until the following Sunday, so what, five days later, Mm. Um, and I had gotten a call from Jeff, and Jeff said that law enforcement suspected foul play and that they were out searching the, the woods with cadaver dogs for a body. And um, obviously, I panicked. Um, I ended up calling the sheriff's department and the dispatcher. I explained why I was calling, and I I wanted to talk to the detective. And the dispatcher said he wasn't aware of any searches going on, but he would get a hold of the detective and have, have him call me. So the detective called me back, and he... Um, I repeated what I had been told and he said, I hate to tell you this. He said, but I don't suspect foul play. He said, in all honesty, 
I think that your son is a boy and he's probably shacked up with some girl and I think he'll turn up. And he said that had to be very, it'd be very, you had to be just uh, ticked off at this time that he said that. I, I was frustrated. I was confused. I was scared. I didn't understand what was going on. Um, so I, I called Jeff back and I said, why would you say something like this? I don't understand why you would say something like this when it's not even true. And he said that that's what Debbie had told him. And Debbie is his wife. Debbie Debbie is his wife. wife. Yep. And to this day, I still don't know where that story came from, why it was said. Um, I I just, it's just one of many, many questions that have never been answered. Have you ever had an opportunity to ask Debbie about that? Um, I don't think that I've ever actually asked Debbie about it. Um, it's, you know, it's an awkward situation at this point. Right. Because Jeff and Debbie aren't married anymore. They did end up getting divorced anyway. Right. Right. And it also is a little... I don't talk to Jeff either, so I mean... Uh, I was going to say that it seems strange to me that she would be the one who has the information about the search. Wouldn't Jeff's dad have the information about the search? Not her. Clinton wasn't even her son. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I I have no explanation. I don't know why it was said. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what the situation was. Mm. I, 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 I don't know. When Jeff, you got to talk to him on that Sunday, two days after September 3rd, I guess guess it would be. Uh, Did he mention the phone call that he made to Clinton in which he said the police were chasing him? Did that come up at that time, or did you find out about that sometime later? Um, I think I actually found out about that later. Um, I know at some point Jeff told me that he had seen a police car over in the vicinity of the area where Larry's house was and where the party was going on. And um, he had said that he had tried to call Clinton and that may have been why he was trying to call him at 1030 that night. I'm not sure. Um, But I've since spoken to law enforcement and law enforcement said that they don't have any record of there being a cop car in that area with their lights on around that time frame. At all. At all. But just to reiterate, when he called you to say that Clinton was missing, his statement was that, you know, he's missing. And the last time I talked to him, he said he was getting chased by police. Jeff did not say that to you on September 3rd. No. Okay. So uh, maybe we need to cover once again, something that you mentioned The Jeff went over to Larry, Larry's, place the place where the party was the day after and why did Jeff go over there maybe he was looking for Clinton and you please please if you know why he went over please I think he went over there he was looking for Clinton um trying to figure out where he was and what was going on and um he didn't find Clinton but Larry had given Jeff Clinton's clothes now, I have to ask, why would Larry, who um, 
to put this in the timeline, Larry and Clinton weren't even working together anymore. They knew each other from the welding business. Larry uh, Clinton wasn't working there anymore. He was working on the oil rig. Now, why would Larry have some of Clinton's clothes? Have you ever gotten to the bottom of that? Um, originally, I had been told that Clinton was actually there for one to two days. I later found out that he was there about 24 hours or less than 24 hours. Um, I I don't know exactly what time he got over there, or but he was he was over there for approximately a day. Just so we can get the timeline straight for the listeners, Jeff drops Clinton off at Larry's on some time on Thursday. We're not sure what time. It, I, I'm not even sure at this point that the time is exactly important. It could be Thursday afternoon. Thursday evening, we don't know. Clinton stays overnight. He doesn't have to go to work the next day. He stays at Larry's. And then it was at some point during that day, September 1st, Jeff drops in, sees how Clinton is doing. You made the statement that seems like uh, Clinton was a little paranoid, might have been on something. And then a few hours after that is when Clinton leaves at 8.30, allegedly. And then a few hours after that, is when uh, the phone call is allegedly made 10.30 that Friday night. Just so we yep. get this timeline straight. Okay, thank yep. you. Now let's get back to the clothes. Do you believe the clothes that uh, Larry gave back to Jeff are maybe the ones that Clinton had worn over there on Thursday? Is that, that's... Yes. Okay. So we move on. There are some searches done. Some people get called in. What goes on there? Um. Basically, over the next few weeks, there really wasn't a lot. Um, there were a couple of times that law enforcement had called me, said that they thought they had found Clinton. Um, it turned out that it was basically cases of mistaken identity. Um, so by October, I think it was around October 18th, um, I had gotten in touch with Texas Equisearch, somebody had told me about them. And um, they had gone to Louisiana and did the first search. And so I actually went down there. Um, I guess I anticipated helping with the search, although at that point they wouldn't let me help with the search because they said that they did not want a parent to ever be the one to find someone that had disappeared a month a little over a month prior. Um, so I was helping out in the, in the, I guess, the gathering area, doing everything that I could. Um, there were several searches throughout the next, I don't know, year and a half to two years. Um, Texas Equisearch did two or three of them. Um, and it, we just, we found nothing. Not uh, anything. And we have to remember that not only was Clinton, of course, having clothes on, but he had this sling that his arm would have been in. Yep. Okay. Um, and, and so there's nothing right. now let's go over. Uh, and that's been the case to this day, the, right. any searcher, just nothing, not, not a phone. And, nope. uh, was Clinton wearing glasses? I see a lot of pictures. He, he was yep. wearing glasses. He would have been wearing glasses. Okay. Yep. 
Uh, what can you tell the people about this party? Who was at the party? And uh, we already talked a little bit about wh- how Clinton knew Larry, but maybe we need to talk about him a little bit more. What have you found out about him, and what have you found out about this party and the and the people who were there? Um, I know that there have been a lot of names that have come up um, over the years. Um, the ones that have come up pretty consistently have been, of course, Larry. Um, his girlfriend at the time, Candy, and um, there are some other names, Billy Joe and Travis Thomas, Shane Martin. Those are the the key names that have come up a number of times. And why do you think, other than them possibly being suspects, is there any other, are they unique compared to the rest of the people? Or did these are these people that obviously knew Clinton, but did Clinton ever work with Billy Joe, Travis, Shane? Would he have known them before he went to the party that night? To my knowledge, Clinton didn't know them. Um, he knew Larry because of the welding shop, but I, to my knowledge, he didn't know the other people. Um, so I'm assuming he met them at the party. Um, uh, I guess the the things that are significant about it to me is that their names have come up repeatedly. Um, I have met with Larry, um, Billy Joe, and Candy. I know that Larry and Billy Joe took, well, initially they refused to take polygraphs. And then later they did finally take polygraphs, but Um, Billy Joe had told me that they had taken Xanax prior to taking the polygraph. And I, I always, I I guess I don't understand why anyone would need to take Xanax prior to taking a polygraph if they, if they're not involved. Did they pass? Do you know? Um, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, the lie detector, the person that did the lie detector test said that he couldn't discuss it with me. Now, you got to talk, like you said, you got to talk to Larry, and you got to talk to Billy Joe. Uh, I'm guessing you didn't get to talk to Travis or Shane. You haven't right. a, Okay. That had to be a very unique uh, situation. I mean, you standing there, um, talking to them, suspecting that they might have done something to your son. Would you say that they were very forthcoming with you? Uh, what were those conversations? Did they know that in talking to them that you might have suspected that they did something? Um, I guess I I don't know for sure, but I my first meeting with Larry was the night of the first search um, that Texas EquiSearch did. And um, Tim Miller, the head of Texas EquiSearch, actually went with me to meet Larry. Um, And so we were talking about Clinton's disappearance, and I asked um, what he thought had happened. And um, he had actually said that he didn't know what happened, um, but that it really bothered him that anyone thought that he could hurt his friend. And um i i said well you know do you have any ideas what could have happened and he said well the only thing i can think of is i wouldn't be surprised if they find him dead in a ditch somewhere somewhere with 600 dollars in his pocket and that always 
kind of struck me as an odd thing to say. Um, Very heartless saying it right to you, of course. Right. Completely heartless. But honestly, my initial meeting with Larry was that he just seemed like, I don't know, like a scared kid. And I mean, he wasn't a kid. He was quite a bit older than Clinton, but I just, I just felt like he, I, I didn't get that he had anything malicious against Clinton or anything like that. The thing that's hard to reconcile is that all the stories and everything that I have heard since and the number of times that his name and the other names have all come up. Um, statistically, I know that the last people to see someone are probably the ones involved with his disappearance. True. And I guess as of right now, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know exactly what happened, but I feel fairly certain that Clinton is not in that area around Larry's house um, because there have been enough searches and there have been there's been enough time that if if this were something accidental, he would have been found by now. Does Larry and any of these other guys do they have criminal records? Yes, they do. All four of them. Um, extensive. Any uh, violence? I, Are any of them in jail now? Do you know any of the status of Larry, Billy Joe, Travis, and Shane? Um, I don't know for sure. I know that the last time I talked to Larry, he was out and he was, um, told me that he was clean and that he was trying to get his life on track. And, um, I know that all of them at some point have had pretty extensive amounts of time in jail. Um, I know that law enforcement has offered, you know, basically a get out of jail free card if if they would tell where Clinton's remains were, um, and no one has has come forward with that information as of now. And not only have they not come, they haven't even rolled on anybody else either. It, you know, it's no. not even like any of them say, you know what, I did not have anything to do with this. But you know, there was this other person at the party who might not even anything like that because once again, there were like forty people there. Right. And I don't know if it was exactly 40, but there have been a lot of names that have come up over the years. Why do you think, I mean, it's, and I said this the first time we talked uh, regarding this part of this, but Billy Joe just came right out and told you that he took Xanax before taking the lie detector test. I would think that you would be the last person that he would say that to. Any insight into that? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know Billy Joe very well. Um, I've, I guess I've heard he's got a pretty extensive record and history of domestics and, and that type of thing. Um, I've only, I think I've met with him once, but I've, I've talked to him a little bit on Facebook and um, I guess I have taken every opportunity I can to try to meet with the people that were, there that night that hoping that at some point somebody will be able to shed some light on 
what really happened and helped me to find my son. And to your knowledge, did either Larry, Billy Joe, Travis, or Shane, did any of them, and we have to remember Larry claimed that he was a good friend of Clinton's, did any of them take part in any searches for Clinton, to your knowledge? No. Um, None of them came out to help with any of the searches for Clinton. Uh, To your knowledge, did any of the uh, other people with the party come out for the search? I guess I can't answer that because I don't know all of the people. We had a lot of people helping, and I I just don't know everybody that was at the party. Perfectly, perfectly understandable. Uh, There also, though, is a story about what Clinton might have been doing while he was at this party. Can you talk to... Um, and where does that number of $600 possibly come from that Larry mentioned about possibly Clinton being in a ditch with $600? Where does that money figure come from? Um, uh, what we suspect is that um, we think Clinton had about $2,000 with him that night um, or the day prior. Um, we know that he went shopping. Um, bought some clothes, shoes, um, bought his dad a birthday present, bought dinner. And based on everything that we know of that Clinton spent that night, we believe that it works out to be about $600 that he would have had remaining. Do you think that there's any way that Larry would have known that? Or did he just get lucky that naming the right figure that, that Clinton might have had on him at that time? I don't know. It's one of the many questions that I've never gotten an answer to. No. And and when was the if if I may ask, how many times have you talked to Larry? And I know you haven't talked to the other two, but Larry and Billy Joe over the last eleven years. Um, Larry, I have talked to on a number of occasions. I go to see him every time I go back, um, and I think I've seen him almost every time I've been there. Um, and I, I guess if for no other reason, I want to make sure that they know I'm still seeking answers. And I, I firmly believe that um, one of them or all of them have some answers. And I don't know if if Clinton died of an overdose or if something more malicious happened that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe somebody at that party knows what happened. And I believe that one or more of them know where Clinton is. Being that you've seen him so many times and you're doing this all on your own, right? I mean, there's no police or cops uh, assisting you. You're, if you go down there and I know that, I think you said the last time you were down there was in 2015. When you go down there, um, you're doing this, you're arranging this all on your own. Yes. Um, initially, I was doing it because um, law enforcement wasn't taking the case very seriously. They weren't out looking for Clinton. And since they weren't, I decided I was. And um, I briefly had a private detective that was trying to help me. And I was trying, we were, I was trying to find answers. And so we were going door to door talking to people trying to find information, trying to find anyone that could help us find Clinton. Mm -hmm. And uh, if he doesn't know, if if he's 
listens to this podcast, he's going, you know, does Larry know that you suspect him? And and and, he, but, and even so, he still agrees to see you when you go down there. I don't know if saying that I suspect him is a mm. fair statement. Okay. I, I can't say that I don't suspect him, mm. but I can't say that I do. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I know that he was the last person that I know of to have seen Clinton and somehow he or someone at that party has to know what happened. Okay. Uh, just one more question uh, about these guys and we'll move on to some other things. And if, and if you can't answer this question due to privacy reasons, I totally understand but I feel like I need to ask you this. When you say that Larry's name, or let's move on to the other three. Billy Joe, Travis, and Shane, their names keep popping up. What does that mean, they keep popping up? If there you Once been, again, don't feel that you need to explain that if you're giving away any sources or anything like that, but I feel like I have yeah. to ask you that. Yeah, I, I know that there have been a number of leads, hundreds of leads, that have come in about Clinton's disappearance over the years. And um, those names have come up repeatedly um, from a, a various number of people. And obviously, so far, there hasn't been enough um, information to lead to finding Clinton or lead to any arrests. But again, statistically, if the same people that saw him last and their names keep coming up over and over again, somebody's got to have some information. Would you say regarding that, that time frame of let's, let's say the, the eight uh, thirty time when it seems that that was the last time people saw Clinton at the party. Are you pretty firm on that? And were Shane, Billy Joe, any of those guys seen at the party after that? Were there, was there a point where Clinton wasn't seen, and these but these guys were seen at the party? I, I don't know the answer to you that. Obviously, know. Larry lived there, and Candy lived there. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know who was there after or anything like that. Okay. You suspecting those guys, how does that square with Jeff's story about this 1030 phone call, the police maybe chasing Clinton, or is there any part of you that, um, if we're going to take that phone call seriously, that suspects that the police might have been involved in Clinton's disappearance? Um, I guess I don't. I don't think that the police would have been involved. Um, I know that I have been told by others that there was law enforcement that was on the take and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I also was married to a cop. And so I know that most cops are good people and True. try to do the right things. And um, so the, that part of me wants to believe the best of all law enforcement. I know that there's some bad eggs out there, um, but I don't believe that the majority of them are. And honestly, 
most of the detectives of the four detectives that have worked Clinton's case, I think all of them seem to be good people. Um, I don't think the first one did the right things. Um, but I don't think it was malicious. I think it was maybe he'd been on the job too long and he just thought Clinton was a boy shocked up with some girl and he'd turn up. Um, so I, I guess I, I can't address that. I, I don't think that it's a situation or of, of law enforcement being involved. I just Hmm. think that there were some things that were not handled correctly in the beginning. Okay. So it's possible if this phone call did take place that Jeff says, it might have been that Clinton was somewhere and he did see cops, uh, a cop car with lights on, but maybe in his state from being on drugs or having a couple beers or whatever else, that he could have convinced himself that the police were after him when they really weren't. It might have been just a cop car going by and he was on a sidewalk somewhere. It's possible. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So you've been doing this, um, trying to figure this all out for 11 years, but you've been doing some work in South Dakota as well with uh, with the law, with missing persons and DNA. And I want you to tell the listeners all about that, if you could. Um, my son has a little boy that was born a month and a half after he disappeared. and. Um, Initially, we were not able to do paternity tests because it is actually a class five felony in all states to use a missing person's DNA to establish paternity. So in order to prove that my son was Austin's father or is Austin's father, we had to change state law in order to use the DNA sample to do a paternity test. So that took, I think it took, I don't know, three or four years to get that done. Um, And my attorney worked with the South Dakota Attorney General, the Federal Attorney General, and the FBI to come up with wording um, on what this legislation should say so that that same legislation can be adopted in other states. Um, And I have been told that that is being used um, in some of the missing persons legislation that is, that is in the works across the country. You mentioned that time frame of uh, three to four years. Would you say this was uh, something difficult that was to get done? And you should know that we've talked about, Laws concerning missing people, uh, we've talked about that before on Unfound. Uh, when Mary Lau was on here, she talked about Suzanne's law, changing the name, or changing the age at which um, people can be t- determined to be children. She moved it up to 21 and right. some other laws. Uh, would you say, what was that process like? Was it difficult? Um, what was it like for you to be a part of that? Um it's something that I guess I'm, I'm proud of doing and being able to do. Um, honestly, I, it, my son would expect for me to do everything in my power to take care of his child. And 
I guess if nothing else, when things were pretty dark and bleak and I was struggling um, with even being able to go on, being able to fight for Austin and being able to fight to prove that Clinton was his dad and to help get state law changed and for South Dakota to be the first state in the country to have that law changed is something that I'm proud of. And it, I feel that I'm fortunate enough that I had people that were willing to work with me to get, help get this done because I didn't do it. I, I didn't do it by myself and I definitely did not do the majority of the work. The lawyers that worked on this, the attorney generals, um, Marty Jackley, they all worked very hard to get this done. And a lot of them donated time and we paid for part of it. And I feel like not everybody would have had the resources to be able to do that. And I hope that somehow my son's legacy can be that somehow he helps someone else that might be in a similar situation that we're in that maybe wouldn't have been able to do this. Yes. And how is Austin, that's Clinton's son who was born after he disappeared. uh, How is Austin doing? He's doing pretty well. Um, He lives with me most of the time. Um, He's a great kid. He's pretty happy-go-lucky. He's the spitting image of his father. Um, It's, he, he's just an amazing kid and I'm, I'm very, very lucky. There's, there's a lot of families out there that have missing children and, and their child dies or, or whatever transpires and they don't have that piece of them to go on. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I have at least a piece of my son to go on. Does he know about his dad? Have you told him? I'm sure he's ele- he would be 11 now. He was born in 2006, yeah. so he's 11 now. Yeah, um, have you told him about his dad? And We talk about his dad all the time. I take every opportunity I can to talk to him about who his dad was, the kind of person he was, funny stories that um, he can relate to, you know, all of those kinds of things. He knows that his dad is missing um, and he knows that um, we believe that he's dead and that we believe that there is foul play involved. Um, Unfortunately, he knows more than I wish he knew, Um, but he, he handles it all pretty well. If I could ask you one more question about Clinton's disappearance. Um, do you believe it's possible that his disappearance could be connected to maybe some other disappearances that have happened in Louisiana? Maybe back around that time, maybe before or since? Um, there are other disappearances, um, some in the same area I, that I've had people say that they believe that they are connected. Um, at one point, law enforcement told me that the primary suspect that they have, um, they feel that 
he may be connected in other people's disappearances. I don't know all of those names. Um, I do know that I have, I connected with um, Kay Gregory, a lot of Bill Weiss's mom. She and I did a, um, a balloon release for our sons. Um, he's still classified as a missing person in the same area that Clinton went missing. We don't know if those cases are connected, but it's a fairly small area, so fairly big coincidence, I guess. Um, And her son is kind of in the same demographic as Clinton was. Yes. Right. Okay. I know you uh, have some places that people can find you and find more about Clinton's disappearance. Why don't you tell uh, the listeners about that right now, Carolyn? Um, Clinton has a Facebook page and, um, I've actually had many, many contacts there. Um, we actually have a couple of Facebook pages. We've got one that's findclinton at facebook.com or whatever the address is. And then we've also got one under Clinton's name under Clinton Nelson. Um, people are always welcome to get a hold of me on, on Facebook messenger or, you know, one of those sites. If if for whatever reason they don't feel they can go to law enforcement. Um, I know that the detective that is working Clinton's case takes a lot of leads. I know Crime Stoppers also takes a lot of leads on Clinton. So no matter the circumstance, if you have information, just reach out to one of us and and let's bring Clinton home. Do you plan on... Uh, going back down to Louisiana at some time in the near future to continue uh, to look into Clinton's disappearance? Have any plans regarding that? I don't have any plans immediately to go back down, but I know that I'll go back down at some point. Um, Generally, if there is a lead that comes up or if something has happened that warrants me going back down, then then I will. Um, I, you know, my employer knows what's going on so if if something comes up I know that I've got the full support to be able to go and do what I need to do um and I will never stop looking for my son so until I can find him and bring him home to South Dakota I'll I'll keep telling his story and I'll keep spreading the word to anyone that'll listen and since the uh his biological father got to know Clinton a little bit better in those approximately six months that was that Clinton was down there. Uh, has he done anything since then to assist in any way in the searches or anything else? Um, Jeff did. He was there helping with some of the searches, and I know that he calls me periodically with various leads that he's heard and, and that type of thing. Um, you know, I guess... I. Jeff has to deal with his role in Clinton's disappearance. Um, Clinton wouldn't have been at that party if he hadn't taken him there. And that's something that he's got to deal with. And it's not my place to judge him. It, Would it be fair to say that you you hold Jeff at least uh, partially responsible for his disappearance? If If only for the fact that he knew that Clinton was trying to clean his life up and everything, and then 
they did drugs that day? Yes, that's fair. I mean, you don't take someone that has had issues with drugs in the past and say, hey, let's go do drugs. Um, and you don't leave someone that you know is not in good shape. You, there's just, there were so many opportunities that this could have had a different outcome if if Jeff had handled things differently. So, yeah, there are there are definitely things I struggle with there. Um, I I don't believe that he did anything intentionally, um, but I I don't know how how he can possibly justify what happened in his own mind because it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> Any last words, Carolyn, before we uh, conclude this interview? Not that I can think of. Just I, I just beg that if there's someone out there that has the information that we need to find Clinton, then please reach out and let us know what you know and help me bring my boy home. And myself and the listeners are going to do everything we can uh, to make that happen. I'm hoping that somebody uh, hears this. This is the fourth case Unfound will have covered in the last year regarding a disappearance in Louisiana. And I know I have a lot of uh, listeners there. So I'm hoping uh, that somebody knows something. Uh, Carolyn, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Carolyn Johnson, mother of Clinton Nelson. Although she gives a lot of credit to the people around her, especially the ones who got the law passed in South Dakota, she has certainly forged ahead on her own when people in law enforcement and others have moved on. She reminds me a lot of Gloria Denton, mother of April Pitzer, who also has made many trips from Arkansas to California to solve her daughter's disappearance. As for the case... I think I've said this before on Unfound. When you add drugs into the equation of any disappearance, the number of suspects goes up, and so does the number of conflicting stories. I mean, how do you make sense of some people saying Clinton went west, Clinton went east, Clinton got into a car? And let me be clear, I don't suspect all the people at the party are responsible for his disappearance. And I also don't believe they're keeping silent because they're afraid. What I'm saying is you really can't learn anything from them. You might as well throw out all of their statements. In fact, I'm decently sure none of them saw anything, especially if we're to believe that Clinton was by himself when his father called at 10.30 p.m. Speaking of that, I think the phone call happened, but I don't believe the conversation did. The call was short, too short, and Jeff didn't mention it when he first spoke to Carolyn. That makes me feel like he made it up later. Why did he make it up? I have no idea. However, Jeff surely had a problem with the truth. He had been telling Carolyn that Clinton had been clean and sober for those six months after getting to Louisiana. But then Jeff admits that he and Clinton got high on meth before he took Clinton to Larry's. So either that's the first time he and Clinton did drugs together, or he and Clinton had been lying to Carolyn the entire time about it. That seems more likely to me. So the father of the missing person can't be believed. That's a problem. What does it mean? It's hard to say. Like I said, when drugs are involved, 
any scenario is possible. Mothers drowning children, fathers abusing babies, the stories go on and on. And of course, there's Larry, Billy Joe, Shane, and Travis. But I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give the program a five-star review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've been listening to Unfound. Thank you.